Okay, welcome to Tea for Lunch, a weekly show powered by Arcade. Every week we'll serve you the top stories we're following in social media, entertainment, celebrity, and pop culture, and tech in 15 minutes or less. You can catch the show live on Instagram on Thursdays around this time, or on all podcast providers and YouTube on Fridays. We're your hosts this week, Mike and... Mel, happy to be here. It's been a couple weeks, Yeah, right? for me too. Yeah, I think... We didn't do one last week because we were at the gathering. And then the week before that, I think it was Mitzi and Ben. Yeah. Um, Before we dive into it, I did want to remind everyone that you have a week left Mm. to curate your Spotify listening so that you can make sure that you're not embarrassed by any of the results that come up during the Spotify wrapped, which is upcoming. Yeah. I don't even honestly use Spotify that much, do you? (gasps) Yes. I'm a Spotify girly. Um, and I love seeing the wrapped. It's usually like not a surprise, you know, I don't normally share it though, because I get weird. Like, I don't want people to judge me for my music taste. I think that's silly. Mm. I just, I don't know. I'm just like, it's, it's my personal business is the way that I feel. <laughs> I don't know. You have a pretty public brand though. So maybe people, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, I just find people get like really weird about music. Like it's so deeply personal and like what people like, you know? So it's like, I just don't want to open myself up to that kind of judgment. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. I mean, maybe, maybe Wrapped is starting to run its course. I have always felt a little bit of FOMO when Wrapped comes out. Um, But these days, like the only times I really use Spotify, we have a shared one for our family, um, is for kids music. So it'd be a lot of like and Kanto and Little You should Mermaid. share that. Maybe other parents want to see what you've been listening to. What Elena's you know? into. Yeah, yeah Elena's Spotify wrapped. Yeah, it's like those two and Taylor Swift Essentials and the odd uh, Camille Cabello. Is that how you say your name? Yeah, that's pretty good. A Million to One, that's a banger <laughs> for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. But I'm more of an Apple Music fan. We don't have to get into it too much because I feel like we've had this debate on this show a few times between different people. But um, yeah, I kind of skewed towards that brand. Interesting. Yeah. Like I like Apple too, but I also like, I, I resonate with the Spotify brand. I think, I think they do a good job. My trump card is always that Apple music pays their artists more per stream. Okay. Fair. That's it. I I didn't know that. I'm going to get off my high horse. We can, uh, I was actually, I like Spotify as a brand and we were just at the gathering last week in Banff and uh, we got to hear from their executive creative director, Alex Bodman. Uh, He talked about wrapped and then also just some other activations and ways that they're using streaming data to like make really creative advertising and stuff like that. And it's always, it's always really cool. He's a very creative person and very good communicator. I'm sad I missed that session, Mm -hmm. but there was some other really good sessions. There was like some amazing brands there. There was literally like the president of the Lakers. That was really cool. Um, People from Gatorade, Barbie, um, what other brands? McDonald's. The girl behind the Duolingo owl. Yeah, that was one of our favorites. Um, so this marketing conference, like amazing speakers, but a lot of them were like very high level brand focused. Mm-hmm. And then there was one talk and it was um, Zaria, who is the brains behind Duolingo's TikTok. And I cannot tell you how many times our clients have asked us to be like Duolingo on TikTok. Be more unhinged. Exactly. So like yeah. this was cool to see her speak. She was like the only Gen Z speaker and it was the only social focus. I feel like session. she's their first Gen Z speaker ever. Ever. Yeah. In 10 years. Yeah. Hopefully so the I think first that, of many. Totally. And I think that it kind of just showed that like, you know, we're, they have to move into the like younger generation and these older brand leaders have to include the younger people and like what they're doing. So I love to see that her talk was awesome. And we also got to film a couple TikToks with her. Mm. So head over to hello arcade on TikTok. Check yeah. it out. 
So it was awesome. Okay. Yeah. It was probably the best year yet. I've been a few times and it was the most people, the most interesting crowd too, because there's a lot of opportunities to meet people. Um, so if you haven't been to the gathering, check it out for next yeah, year. It was amazing. We really enjoyed it. And yeah, check it out. It was really cool. Okay. So to get into our news stories, first up, it's time for the SIP. So this is your weekly rundown of the top stories happening in social media. So let's just do a run through. So YouTube has expanded their lower requirements for fan funding and in-stream promotions to 37 more countries. So this is um, to like enter into the YouTube partner program, um, but not to get like paid through ads. It's basically to unlock the ability to have like fan funding and in-stream promotions, which I... I don't know how useful it is to people, but anyways, they're expanding that. Does fan funding, I, I know we don't interrupt in the SIP, but is fan funding <laughs> like Patreon, like you subscribe? Yeah. And so to me, I'm like, well, if that if you're lowering, lowering the requirements, that means that it's a smaller community. And so then to ask people, like it, to ask people to then like pledge their support. Got it. You're like, are you really going to get that many people? Whereas when you enter like the full partner program, you get a couple dollars per thousand views from YouTube itself, which... I think is more like reasonable to ask. Yeah. To like ask for for money from YouTube. Anyways, that's a whole thing. Um, Next one is LinkedIn has reported record levels of engagement with 985 million members. I do think LinkedIn is making a comeback. Like we've seen some of our clients like grow on LinkedIn and like, there's just more of a focus where a couple of years ago, I feel like people didn't really care about LinkedIn, but I think it's making a comeback. Mm Mm-hmm. I think so too. Um, and then Meta is facing legal action from 42 state attorneys for using addictive processes to huck, to hook, <laughs> Huckleberry Finn, uh, to hook young users. Um, totally. Shuck young oysters. <laughs> <laughs> Meta recently reported just under 100 million monthly active users on threads. Do we believe this? I think that we believe it because you just kind of like got automatically signed up for it, but I don't think people are using it. But active users, monthly active users. Oh yeah, I think that's a lie. Anyways. Very interesting. Um, And then finally, WhatsApp has finally added account switching within the app, which was much needed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I already interrupted to talk about YouTube. I wanted to, I think LinkedIn is making a comeback and one of, they're also just innovating pretty quickly. One of the things that's really interesting to me is how they started doing AI um, created articles that then creators on LinkedIn can contribute to. So AI will like identify topics and then they like sent out invites to specific people that are active on the platform to invite them to contribute. And then now you can start to see as you scroll in the feed, you'll see like so-and-so so contributed to this article, so-and-so contributed to this article. And you don't, it, there's a limit to how much you can contribute. Like it's like a paragraph. Um, I love that. But it's I interesting. Think, yeah, that makes it easy for people. Cause I think something that's really daunting for people on LinkedIn, especially is like starting from scratch, like doing some thought leadership. Like that is like, it's nerve wracking because when you post content like that, you're automatically saying like, I'm a thought leader, you know? So it is nerve wracking for people. So if they could like contribute to something that's already been like started, like I would love to LinkedIn invite me to contribute to something. Yeah. And the constraint they use of like really keeping it 
pretty succinct of how much you can contribute almost like forces you to only comment if you are an expert because you don't get a lot of opportunity to like add a bunch of like rationalization or, or like research to back it. You have to be able to just like say it in a punchy way that is convincing. And yeah. Yeah. I also think that like LinkedIn used to be like a lot more buttoned up and now I feel like people are showing a bit more of like their whole selves, which I think is kind of like the nature of work as well. We're kind of realizing that like people are people as well. Mm -hmm. And so I, I like the, the vibe shift a little bit or like I've just seen a small shift and I feel a bit more like comfortable there, but um, yeah. We'll see. I think LinkedIn might end up being what we wanted threads to be Ooh, like a better, more enjoyable, more approachable version of what Twitter used to be. That makes sense. Okay. That's maybe our prediction. Maybe it's a hot take. Maybe, maybe everyone agrees. Who knows? Um, one of our first main stories here, skins has officially launched a menswear collection. I have thoughts on this. But uh, just to fill you all in, Kim Kardashian's shapewear brand Skims, they launched menswear. The collection includes a range of men's products, such as boxers, briefs, t-shirts, undershirts, tank tops, and leggings. And they've they've always emphasized their mission to create shapewear for bodies with different skin tones and body types and ages. Um, but they've received lots of requests along the way for men's products and decided just now to use male sports stars to get the line in front of men. So... They featured some really notable people like Brazilian footballer Neymar Jr., NBA player Shai Gilgis Alexander, and NFL defensive end Nick Bosa. They're all shredded. They're all very good looking. So all different body types. They really said, we're going to represent all different body types. That's the interesting thing. And I read some of the interviews on this, and they talked a lot about how like the best way to get in front of men is through sports, which I don't disagree with. But it's so interesting to me how it seems to be a departure from the whole brand that they built for women. Yeah. Um, and couldn't they have added, they could have used the sports people, but then added some other people of different body types, skin tones, and ages. Yeah. Perhaps. That's my thoughts too. If I really start to think even deeper about it, it kind of makes me wonder, is this move into menswear less for men and more still for their female audience? Maybe. Because... Sure, men might buy some of the products, especially the shredded athletes, you know, but um, is it really about them or is it more of like an additional angle at the same female audience? For sure. I think you might be onto something because Skims is like, it's really amazing. It's an amazing product, which I feel like people don't give like Kim Kardashian enough credit for like actually building a brand that like people love the product and it's good quality, but it's very expensive. Yeah. And so do they think that men care about their like undergarments as much as women? Like you have to invest like we're talking right. like $40 for like a pair of underwear, you know, mm -hmm. or even like, uh, I don't know. It's just like, it's, it's a high price point. And so I'm curious to see like what men would go for it. Or at least I don't think it's going to be at the scale of skims women's audience, no customer base, like not even close. Yeah. So I wonder if it's more about marketing than actually like reaching a new right. demographic. That's hmm. my, or maybe they're trying to like get the men to pay attention to skim so that the men will buy it for their women counterparts. Yeah, I don't but know. that makes it still about the women. Totally. Right? Yeah. Anyways, okay. I don't think that's wrong necessarily, but it's interesting. 
to dissect it a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Our next story is there was a new study that found that Gen Z plans to retire earlier than anyone else, and they are using AI to help get there. So in October, a new Charles Schwab survey found that while older generations are delaying their retirement, Gen Zers are aiming to retire at 61. Um, So they looked at a thousand employed Americans that were participating in their 401k plans, um, and then an additional hundred Gen Zers for statistical significance. And they found that Gen Z is already thinking about retirement. um, And 73% of Gen Z are wanting personalized investment advice. I love this. This is great. I feel like everyone should be thinking about retirement as soon as you start working, because the sooner you think about it, the easier it will be for you to like put money aside in order to have a retirement or like a comfortable retirement. Um, And then it showed that they're looking to AI for help. So they said that 75% of Gen Z said they'd be comfortable asking artificial intelligence like ChatGPT for help with financial planning. Um, And then in terms of like the ages for retirement for other generations, it's like 64 for millennials, 65 for Gen X, 68 for boomers. So I think this is great. I think, I mean, it's like, I feel like Gen Z, they're look, they're, they just started in the workforce and they're already like, I want to retire, which is like kind of sad. Yeah. Right. But like 61, that's like, you know, it's, it's like four years earlier than like regular retirement. I think that's reasonable. What do you think? Yeah, a few things stand out to me. One is that boomers were 68. Like, I would expect millennials to expect to retire later than boomers did, just because of, like, the state of our finances, you know, and, like, inflation and the cost of living. So that was interesting to to hear. I thought boomers were trying to retire before they were 60. But, um, and then Gen Z, I kind of wonder if the sentiment will change. Because Gen Z are still like pretty early into the workforce. What I love about it is that they are trying to be like financially literate and like think ahead. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think as they get past, you know, like these junior like entry level roles into a career that maybe gives them a little bit more purpose or like they find something, they find a way to get paid for something that they really love doing if their sentiment around how long they want to work might shift. Yeah, for sure. I think you're right. And there's like a lot like Gen Z within the workforce, there's like a lot of sort of issues and things that they've like specific to their generation that they've had to deal with. Yeah. So you're right. I think like they may be looking, they're like excited for their retirement and it's coming out of a place of like, I want to get out of the workforce and hopefully that does change. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. When do you want to retire? I mean, good question. I've, I, I don't know. Like I'm not, I'd love to have the option to retire, but if I'm like loving what I'm doing, I keep right. working, right? So I think people, I think the biggest thing is like, I think people want to have the option to retire. The freedom of choice. The freedom, yeah, yeah the, the, the money to retire, but then the option of whether or not to keep working. I yeah. think what people don't want to be, no one wants to be working because they have to, to survive, right? When Especially when they're older. So I think the main thing is, you know, having like the funds to do that. And I think that's what was cool about the study is that Gen Z is thinking not just about their retirement, but how they're going to fund it. Like they know that in order to retire early, they need the money for that. Yeah. I think it's all about, like you said, financial flexibility. Yeah. Because I also have seen a lot about retirement and like how people spend their time in retirement and like what that does to your brain and your body. And that doesn't sound that appealing either. So really, I think it is just a financial conversation. Totally. Interesting. Okay, our last story. Do you remember the days of going with your family to Blockbuster to pick something to watch over the weekend? Oh, absolutely. Or your friends. Like, who went to their Blockbuster with their family, you know? Like, with your friends for Friday night, movie night, (laughs) um, or a sleepover, whatever it might have been. 
Um, but that thrill may be coming back soon. And it's not through Blockbuster, it's, a, it's through Netflix. So they're going to think about getting into brick and mortar. After shutting down the industry with their mail-order DVD service that turned into the era of streaming we now enjoy, Netflix is exploring the concept of in-real-life stores. So they're reportedly working to get a network of stores open, offering retail, dining, and live entertainment that leverages things like their TV shows and movies um, to bring people more into an immersive experience. So I read this as like less like a blockbuster. It's less of a throwback. And I actually see this more as like a way to try and compete with the likes of Disney who are like yeah, creating it really... seems future thinking to me yeah. like where they're I feel like and they're not saying like oh you're gonna come rent movies they're trying to like sell us an experience and other like merchandise from like our fave Netflix shows yeah and just like kind of following the wave of entertainment transcending a singular channel like even it's almost like reverse engineering what Barbie did with like taking a in real life doll into like the movie universe it's almost like going backwards from that, like taking great entertainment from movie and TV into like things that you can hold or feel or taste or hear. And I, I think like it. I'm, I'm sure there could even be like AR and VR components, totally. like metaverse kind of components to that too. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to call it uh, Netflix house, which right. I think is cool. I wonder where the first locations are going to open up, but probably LA. Yeah. Hollywood. Hollywood. Everything starts there. Or maybe overseas, like maybe even in Asia. Who right. knows? Yeah, I kind of like this. I mean, it'll see, like, I if it opened up somewhere where I was, like, I'd definitely go and check it out. And yeah. it'll be interesting. I think they're probably banking on people showing what it looks like and stuff on social media. You know, like, I'm waiting for, like, the TikTok to pop up of someone, like, visiting that first store. I feel like that'll people would be interested to see what that experience is like. So they better make it good. Like, yeah. it sounds cool, but, like, it has to be... It has to be pretty, like, immersive and cool and things to see and things to do and buy because if it's just... If it's lackluster, then people will be like, oh, this was a flop. But it could be a good, I think it could be successful. I think it's playing on things that people already have shown that they like. Like even yeah. going to the movies, you know. Yeah. I think most of us like the VIP cinema experience where you like sit in a comfy chair and someone serves you food and drinks at your chair and you watch it and it's like premium sound and like yeah. feels immersive. But they can do a so much better job than just like a theater setting for stuff like this and add other kinds of components too. So yeah, I feel like people will eat it up. Cool. Well, that's all we've got for you today. Hope that you enjoyed. And now that we've wet your palate, go eat something more substantial. Cheers. Cheers.